Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. So sorry to disappoint everybody out there right now, but there's no Euler and Motes today. Instead, the Steelers standard crew is taking you through the next two hours here Woo-hoo! on the Steelers Blitz. I am Tom Opferman. Jacob Reck is our man on the scene live at St. Vincent right. in Latrobe. Jacob, you've been like, big man on campus since training camp has started down there my man you've just been living it up haven't you i wouldn't call it big man on campus but just always present omnipresent (laughs) if that's what you want to call it i have not left the latrobe area for now it's been a whole week i've been here for a week i've yes you've become acclimated with the uh, local culture Yes, I have. Not only that, I've met some townies. There are great people out here. And then I've met, all, of course, all the fans. Tom, I don't know if you were told, uh, but a good friend of S- the SNR Airwave, CR, actually made it all the way out to the Oh, trail. I knew he would. Oh, I, I knew he would be coming up there. I'm assuming he'll be there at Friday Night Lights tomorrow, and uh, I'm assuming he'll be here when another huge crowd will be here for the Saturday practice. That was a sight to uh, be seen, I'll tell you that. Last week, Saturday... Honestly, it, it had the atmosphere of a home game. There were that many Yeah, exactly. The atmosphere tonight, I'm glad you brought up Friday Night Lights, too. We can start a little bit there. Sure. Friday Night Lights practice tonight is just going to be an absolute electric environment. It always is. It's one of the mm-hmm. best traditions that the Steelers do uh, while they're up there at St. Vincent College. I'm sure you'll be making your way over to Latrobe Memorial Stadium later to take in all of the uh, sights and the festivities over there. So I-, I can't wait for it. I know all of Steelers Nation who's going to be heading up to Latrobe can't wait for it. But all is kind of quiet today on the campus right because there's nothing really going on as we all anticipate this you know later start to practice yeah let me paint the scene for you so wolf i mean you do your show with labs from 9 to right. 10 wolf and stars come on the airways from 10 to 12 i think campus opens to the public around 11 so around 11 o'clock halfway through their show you start to see a lot of people start to filter through there's that line that begins, you know, that, that hillside where all the players come down yes, from the yes. locker room. They come, so there's a line that's, that forms, and you're not able to just walk right up to that hill. And so there, if, I could, if I could do my best to describe how long of a line it is, imagine an NFL stadium, right? And the line starts on, like, a corner of an end zone, okay? So the northeast end. That line essentially wraps around all the way you know, if you're in the northeast end zone, you're you're coming across the entire, you're going left across the entire west side, 
then you're coming down the entire length of that left field or that left side of the stadium. That is how long that line extends for people Mm. just to line up to get to the area where the autographs begin. So you have people, and the the way I described it, I think, to Brian last week on Saturday was, you know that scene from Spider-Man No Way Home at the very end (laughs) where the multiverse is kind of cracking and you see all these characters like appearing out of nowhere from all different angles. That's what it felt like. Steelers right? Pope, Steelers Jesus, Steelers whatever. Exactly. <laughs> that, that, that Troy Polamalu guy that always dresses up in the foot with the wig and everything. But, yeah, so 11 o'clock, all the people start to filter through. And then once you get into about the noon and 1 o'clock hours, that's when the stands really start to get packed. And nothing really compared to that Saturday because you have – multiple hillsides you just have a couple of bleachers uh about three or four sections of bleachers here but you have tons of hillside access you cannot imagine every single spot that you could possibly see whether it's concrete or grass people were either standing in with their just an umbrella to keep out of the heat or a whole lawn chair set up it was ridiculous no it's it's an absolute jump in environment and it will be again tonight at latrobe memorial oh, right. stadium but yesterday was very exciting for Steelers Nation. Not necessarily for what happened on the field during practice, though. Deontay Johnson found himself Mm -hmm. getting his contract extended by two years, so three years total now this year, and then two more years after that. $18.355 million per year. That's a little bit more than Christian Kirk. Probably a little bit less than he initially thought he was going to make. We're going to hear from Deontay Johnson in a later segment, though, probably this next segment coming up. And, you know, he kind of alluded to it being the right deal for him. You know, he didn't want to say anything like, oh, I feel like, you know, I took or left money on the table to stay here. He didn't feel that way. But it's hard to not say that when you see the kind of buku bucks that his receiving class has been getting lately. And I think that, you know, when it comes to a deal like this, everybody tries to paint a winner and a loser. Oh, did the Steelers win and get one over on their player? Or did, oh, Deontay Johnson, he was the loser in this situation. I don't see a real winner or a loser. I feel like this is a pretty much win-win. Deontay's getting a hell of a raise than what he was due to make this season. Uh, So he's going to be a lot happier for this year and the next two years after that. And the Steelers get, again, another very cap-friendly deal under new GM Omar Khan. So... You want to try to paint a winner and a loser anytime these kind of contract negotiations come to a head, but I truly just feel like this is a total win-win for all sides around, and there's no reason why anybody should be upset. No, I, I think this was a a win-win, I think, for, for both sides. Uh, you had the Steelers who managed to get, I would say, arguably a top 15 receiver in the league at a, at a salary, at an AAV that's below the... Um, the um, the franchise tag rate. I don't know how Omar Khan or if it's Kevin Colbert still being involved, they were able to do that. But once again, we are equally impressed. I think it goes back to the day that Omar Khan signed up for this job or, or was promoted to this job. You look at the Stefan Tuit uh, retirement, and then that hole was filled with Larry Ogunjobi. And then you have the Minka Fitzpatrick contract negotiations being solved. You have the Chris Boswell extension. And here you are, Omar Khan, getting this extension for Deontay Johnson. And then you look at it from Deontay's side. What is it? $29 million guaranteed. Yeah, that's right. And that is, that is not chump change. I understand there are guys with bigger contracts out there, more guaranteed money. But at a two-year rate to get $30 million guaranteed, that sets him up to enter... Uh, free agency in 2024 
most likely at the peak of his career, right? He will now be able to play these. Yeah, next he'll be two- twenty. He'll be twenty-eight years old, so he'll still definitely have some prime years in front of him when he could enter free agency. Again. And no, and this is not a slight against Ben, but now he'll have a young quarterback who could probably air it out to him, who could really get the most out of Deontay. I think what you saw in twenty twenty with Ben Roethlisberger's relationship with Deontay was a little glimpse, just a glimpse of what Deontay's full potential could really be. Now with a younger quarterback, whether it's Mitch or Mason or even Kenny, I think with a, a stronger arm and maybe a little bit more accuracy on that ball, you'll be able to see Deontay Johnson really shine. And again, I think it benefits him because you get two years under your belt to really show people that you are this top 15, maybe even top 10 wide receiver. You enter free agency in 2024. Maybe you come back to the Pittsburgh Steelers and maybe there's a team out there who's willing to break the bank for you. I, I think it's a win-win. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, hey, it can be win, 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 too, because as far as the team is concerned, you know, his teammates and his coaching staff, he's practicing again. He returned to the practice field yesterday, and it looked like he had a pretty – I mean, you're the man on the scene there, but it looked like from afar following on Twitter, he had a pretty decent showing. He he didn't seem to show much rust for sitting out the past couple of uh, handful of days. No, I'm glad you brought that up because he has been, as we've known, he's been holding in. He hasn't been – some, he hasn't been in South Beach. He hasn't been wherever his right. home is, just ignoring camp, ignoring that the rest of the team, the other 89 guys on this active roster, are at camp and participating other than a couple of guys riddled by injuries, such as Minko or Fryermuth or, or Najee, who's been sitting out. He has been here. He has been participating to an extent, but not when, when the teams are in, in, in full pads on Monday, for example. He was one of the few guys out here without pads. However, he was still with the with the uh, what's the term of that that giant helmet that they now use for extra protection? Right, right. He, he he was still out here. He had his jersey on. He had his cleats on. So he was running drills. He just wasn't creating as much contact. I think it was really you saw him a lot in the, in the one on one type of situation where it's it's go route against the D back or it's a go route against another receiver just to be there to make it a somewhat con- contested catch. But something that Dale Lawley pointed out yesterday on on the drive because it was it's really cool the drive has this they're on in the air from two to five and practice starts at two and goes to about four maybe a little bit after four so Dale and Matt have the opportunity to kind of provide a play-by-play of practice as it unfolds and we were out here watching uh, Deontay do some sideline routes and or do some cut actions and Dale pointed out the past couple of days we've been seeing guys like Steven Sims or Cody White or even rookies who were highly drafted such as George Pickens or Calvin Austin running these routes and we're and we're we're impressed and we're trying to say oh well this was really good or maybe this could be a little bit improved here and there and then you saw Deontay come out here and you go okay well that's what a real wide receiver one looks like it's almost like you we we forgot how good he was because when he was running these out routes right with the quick step it, it, it was like it was like a master class of it. You, you you were watching people trying to learn from the master when he wasn't even giving you the example, and then he came out here and you go, that is textbook quick feededness. That is that is quick t- textbook agility. It, it was really fun to see him finally 
being a full participant in these practices. I think he's one of the more underrated receivers in the NFL, and honestly, he gets underrated around Steelers Nation as well for whatever, oh, for whatever the reason course. may be. Maybe the dropsies that he had in his second season and then a little bit that cropped up last year. Who, who knows? Maybe they get rubbed the wrong way by a hold-in, thinking, oh, you're not good enough to do a hold-in. Whatever the case may be, he certainly is underrated, but... The quarterbacks need him, man, because mm-hmm. it's no Absolutely. secret, and we're going to get to the quarterbacks a, a, a lot more in depth later on in the program. We got two hours with you folks today, but the quarterbacks have been struggling out of the gate, and I don't want to say that you know it's all because of the personnel around them, but Fryermuth's been banged up, Claypool's been banged up, Pickens has been looking really good and like he belongs in the the trio of the top three receivers, but he's still just a rookie. And then you have all these other, you know, Anthony Miller's been looking good, but that's a guy that's going to be fourth at best on your depth chart uh, this year. So uh, he is sorely needed in that quarterback room to help give them some options and help them start to look a little bit better and get a little bit of a rhythm going. And you didn't see it fully yesterday. I mean, the quarterback Mm -hmm. struggled a little bit, but there were flashes where, like you said, Deontay just made it look so easy, and it's just pitch and catch at that point. Yeah, I I think it's hard to overlook the quarterback plays throughout the first two weeks of of practice, Tom. I think that's not only – we, we knew coming into to training camp that the, the onus was going to be on the quarterbacks. Who was going to step up? Was someone going to struggle a little more than we anticipated? And now I think with Deontay Johnson, it does help them to have a guy like him because let's not forget, Tom, Chase Claypool has also not been able to be a full participant with an actual right, exactly. injury that he's been Fire dealing with. with. I mean, it's it's really right. Najee's been out, banged up. It's The offense has not been at 100% uh, no. strength at really once this whole camp. But if you listen, if you tune in to guys like Matt Williamson or Dale Lawley or Max Starks, guys who have who've been here every single day and have been watching every single practice, they'll tell you, yeah, the offense last week, Really struggled. I mean, we, we we were seeing turnovers from all three quarterbacks. We know Mason was having the best performance out of the three of them, but that was just in a small sample size of three guys, one of which is a rookie, one of which is playing with the team for the very first time, all three of which have been playing without Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Pat Frymuth, and at times, Najee Harris. So let's not be too harsh on these guys. So to finally get one of those pieces, right, you were – All three quarterbacks are without the team's wide receiver one, wide receiver two, tight end one, and running back one. To finally get one of those pieces back, you you have been seeing the offense gel a little bit. In seven shots, as seven shots have unfolded, the the defense was just destroying. I think there was one day where the defense won – all seven. Yeah, I, the, the defense I, looks great. The defense, there's there's really nothing left to say about the defense. I am excited to watch the defense this year. And not fully healthy. Important to right. note that, Right, I mean, too. let's 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 not forget, Tyson Oluwalu hasn't really been Ogan a full Joby hasn't been a full Ogan Joby, Minka Fitzpatrick. Minka just got the Band-Aid ripped off yesterday. Right, so. Minka, I think tonight's practice for Friday Night Nights will be Minka's first practice since Latrobe, or since the team has reported to Latrobe. So look out, if, if you're going to be at Latrobe Memorial Stadium tonight, look out for Minka. I'm sure... He'll, he'll, make an he'll, impact, he'll feed yeah. into the crowd, right? Everyone, you, you hear that? You hear the the people in the crowds chanting for certain players. I guarantee there will be a crowd of fans chanting for Minka to make a play. But anyways, yeah, there's really not much to be said about the defense because they're already performing at such a high level without three of their starters. But to get back to the offense, 
yes, they struggled in week one, but as time has gone on, as uh, Kenny and Mitch and Mason have all kind of adjusted to the options they've been left with, the offense has been getting better. I think there's been one day this week where the offense won seven shots, four to three. There have been days where they're running the two-minute drill or they're running the first down offense or they're running the third down practices, and the offense has looked better. I mean, again, you have to understand that this team is not operating under full capacity or under under 100 uh, percent capabilities here because they're without so many starters and of course you have the one uh, toss up at, at a starter position at your left guard position right you've seen a yeah. lot of Kendra Green you've seen a lot of Kevin Dodson that answer has yet to really been uh, has yet to been solved but once that comes together I'm sure more pieces will follow you'll get Claypool back eventually you'll you'll have now you'll have Deontay and it's great that Deontay has been able to step up or step back into things in just week two he has now a full two weeks left to go to really get into shape get ready for the regular season obviously when you're a starter and you can look at Najee Harris's involvement Najee kind of had a hobbled day he or he came off one day with a hobbled foot and so he's been very limited because you don't want to test a running back's foot if it was aggravated at all, right? You don't want to overextend your players, your starters, to the point where they're going to be too exhausted or, or, or too hobbled coming out of the gates. So... I am I am optimistic with this offense. I, I know there are strides left to be made, but what the progress we've seen so far in this very short window of what this is tonight will be day nine of practice. Yes, correct. I'm 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 optimistic with the progress that we've seen so far through eight days of practice. Well I'm glad you use that word optimistic because I want to bring it back to Deontay and I'm really optimistic about his season just individually as sure. well. You know, I think that there's a little bit of you know, a voice in the back of my head saying, hey, new quarterbacks, he was playing with a Hall of Famer. Granted, the Hall of Famer was at the end of his road, but he was still playing with a Hall of Famer the first uh, few years in his career. This is going to be completely different. He might have some growing pains with them, but that's why I think it's so important that this deal got done because he gets to get on the field and go through those growing pains now in three preseason games and a full camp schedule pretty much for the most part. And then basically an entire over an entire month of getting to gel with these quarterbacks now. So that's a good thing as far as that's concerned. He's going to start to get that chemistry going. But even just if the quarterback play takes a step back, which it really might this year, he, I think, is going to be so open most of the time that despite the fact that the play at the quarterback position might not be up to par like he's used to in his short career so far, I just think he's going to make it so easy for them that he's still going to get his targets because it's just it's just going to be you have no choice. He's open. I have to throw it to him. Tom, I'm telling you, just in yesterday's practice, you saw it. And that was it, it, Deontay Johnson is a wide receiver one, so he's going up against the first teamers on defense. He's going up against the secondary first teamers on defense, and he's still able to create separation against guys, guys like Akilla Witherspoon, guys like Terrell Emmons, whoever is in coverage for Deontay. Just to, and that's just in one day. Again, it, it really is. It was kind of a treat. It was kind of a a shock back to reality that a receiver can be this good at a certain aspect of his game. And what I heard a lot of yesterday was a lot of callbacks to Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown really excelled in the same ways that Deontay Johnson did. I know it's a little far-fetched or it's a little unfair maybe to draw that comparison because A.B. was such a special player. But 
coming out of college, coming out of Toledo, a lot of people like Deontay Johnson because they remind he reminded them of Antonio Brown. And it, it, I know we're not trying to say that Deontay Johnson is going to be as good or if not better than Antonio Brown here, but it was as if you were watching junior varsity guys trying to do their best and then you had the varsity starter come out and you were shown this is really what a true wide receiver one looks like. And I completely agree with you. I think he's going to have a big year this year. Well, you've heard enough out of both of us. We're going to hear from the man himself, yeah, Deontay Johnson, it. spoke to the media yesterday, of course, after inking that new deal. So we'll take a listen to what Deontay had to say and keep kicking around some more thoughts about Deontay Johnson as he has inked a two-year extension that will get him paid $18.355 million per year. And he will be a Pittsburgh Steeler through the 2024 season. So exciting times for Steelers Nation. The Steelers Blitz marches on right after this. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of it. Like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Steelers standard crew filling in for Euler Motes today here on the Steelers Blitz. Tom Offerman and Jacob Brecht with you up until... 2 o'clock before we hand things over to the drive with Matt Williamson and Dale Lawley. Talked a lot about Deontay Johnson in our opening segment today and how could you not after the new wide receiver inked that two-year extension. He spoke with the media yesterday and we have that for you right here on SNR. You saw a lot of receivers cash in in free agency this year. Why did you take this deal now rather than you know trying to hit unrestricted free agents? No, I'm not looking at Trying to look at, it. I, you see the numbers, but I wasn't trying to look at everybody, you know, pockets or whatnot. Cause they deserve it at the end of the day, you know. I can't control what they got going on, so I'm just worried about what I got going on. And, um, was able to come up with something, like I said. And I'm happy that we was able to come to the table and get something done. And I'm looking forward to getting to work. You don't care, you know, guys from your drive clubs are making X, Y, Z, and you're making it. Nah, it is what it is. Like I said, they, they I'm happy for what they got. Uh, like I said, I'm not worried about their money. I'm worried about mine. <laughs> and I'm, I'm able, to, like I said, I'm happy that I got something done. So. What did you think the penalty was done? Yeah, I, th- I thought like that a couple of times. But, you know, I prayed about it last night. I felt like it was the right decision. So, like I said, if I you know, just go out there and play and come back to the table. So. I Last night, I thought about it last night. I was, I was then ready to get back out there. I've been just, it was kind of boring just sitting back watching everybody practice every day, you know. But like I said, I was just trying to protect myself, making sure I got the right, 
right number I was looking for and um, today, like, like I said, I prayed about it last night. I felt good. Externally, you said you prayed. You called parents, friends. When you get the offer, what's kind of your process of working through it before you sit down to sign the paper? Talking to my agent a little bit, my dad, teammates, people that went through the process. You know, uh, how long it took for them to make, come up with uh, the decision that they wanted to go with. Like I said, I just felt like my, I felt it in my gut. Like it was the right move for me and my family. So. I'm happy with the deal I got done. I'm ready to get back to work. What is it about the Steelers specifically? Because, like other said, you could have hit unrestricted free agency in a year. Why stay here um, when your value could go up a little? Uh, you know, it's just the grass is not always green on the other side. You know, uh, I was thinking about that too. But at the end of the day, I love being a Steeler. You know, I love it here. I'm gonna finish my career here. You know, just being around. It's just my teammates that just. Just, just being around the atmosphere, you know, the energy that they, they show every day, and that you, you want to be around a, a group of guys like that each and every day. And um, I feel like, like I said, I feel like I made the right choice. I want to continue to uh, be here for a long time. The first rep today in one on one, you caught a deep ball right right against the Keller Williams when Mitch threw the ball. Have you been like really eager to like get that establishment with your new quarterback and Mitch? You know, you guys got a little bit of OTAs in minicamp, but now the pads are on and it's really close to preseason. Yeah, I've been itching to get out there with him, like I say. Just sitting back and watching the guys take reps and whatnot. You want to see those guys do good as well, too, not taking nothing from them. It's just like, dang, that could be me out there getting them reps, too. But I was just taking minimum reps. You know. I'm happy to get back out there with him. I was doing a couple of reps with him after practice, too, just to keep the time down and whatnot. Like I said, so when I got out there today, it wasn't nothing different. It was just like practice. Statement with that? Did you want to make a statement with that play? No, I'm just like I'll just show that I can what I can do. That's what I do on a day to day basis. We'll continue to show that. Out there, but it looked like you were slowly starting to take more reps, doing some more, you know, quarterback thrown catches, things like that. Was that kind of by design? You're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm tired of sitting yeah, on the sideline. I was ready to get back out there. I was just trying to come back slowly, do a little more here and there. Like I said, uh, I prayed about it last night, and I'm, I'm ready to go. So like, the number was cool. I'm good with it. My family's good with it. I'm good. I'm ready to go. Were you prepared to hold in all of camp if if this number, if this contract didn't get done? Would you have waited all the way until week one? No doubt. No doubt. I, so I, I felt like the tone was right. So I'm ready to get back. What is the frame going? Deontay. What is the process of like establishing the hold in? Like every, both sides seem pretty okay with what's going on. Do you have those conversations with Mike, like, or with Coach Tomlin, like, hey, like this is how we're gonna approach this? Yeah, I've talked about it before I got to camp. It's just what you you comfortable with, what you what you want to do, how you gonna go about it. Right now. I was out there with my teammates. I just, I wanted to be around them. I wasn't just gonna not show. Uh, good energy on a day-to-day basis because that's not something I want to bring to the room. But the guy, nobody want to be around it. So I just want to be there for my teammates, encourage them, show that I want to be out there each and every day, not have no attitude because that's not how you carry yourself through this process. You don't want to show that type of energy. I show that I want to be here. I still want to be here. I love it here. And I'm, like I said, I want to retire. So. Deontay, you've taken a significant step forward every single year. 
You've taken a significant step forward every single year, and now that this is finally done, what do you have to do in order to take another step forward? Continue to work. That's all you can do. Continue to work. Show the coaches why. Uh, they gave me what they gave me, so I'm, I'm just going to show that on Sunday. And come out there and make plays. When I play, when I make plays, I hope it feed off to the, uh, the rest of the guys, and they can make their plays as well. Who taught you how to run routes like that? Uh, just always, I always know how to run routes, but you know, I kind of pick my boys, Brandon, Stephon Diggs. Uh, we real tight, so I kind of, if I got a question or whatnot, I, I can always go to him for some. You know. yeah, did you feel like you took less to stay here? No. Like I took the right deal. Like I said, I'm not worried about what everybody else making. You see it, the market is up there, but God got something for me. I didn't know that. I feel like you know, this is the right deal for me. Like I said, I prayed about it. I'm good. Did they make another offer to you, or they run on the table just when you prayed on last night? So, yeah, this is different. Nah, it was the offer they gave me that stuck with it. Uh, I was able to get a little more, but I'm, I'm cool with it. I'm happy. I'm ready to play. <laughs> One more. As the veteran of the uh, receiving force now, in terms of seniority, do you see yourself as a mentor to the younger younger receivers and the rookies? Yeah, they, I, I see them gravitate towards me, you know, just just because, like, what I've done and whatnot. It's like, like being around me and see how I do certain things so I can feel like I can help them as well. Whatever question they need help with or on a certain route or whatever, I'm always there for them, you know, I'm just going to continue to lead by example. And hopefully that, that feeds off to the rest of the group, the rest of the guys that's been there as well. So I'm, I'm ready to get going. That's Steelers wide receiver Deontay Johnson speaking to the media following his new two-year extension with the team. There's a lot to get into with uh, some of those answers. I especially want to touch on what he said about who he models his game after because you can definitely kind of see it when you watch both of those receivers play, him and Stephon Diggs. But I'd like to make a bold prediction, Jacob, first, Let's if I it. may. I don't think the Steelers are going to take a wide receiver in the 2023 draft this is coming wow. <laughs> So, right, I mean, you know, I mean it, it just it seems like worse. that writing's on the wall now, right? Well, you got a lot of you got a lot of sh- uh, cooks in that kitchen right now, for sure. And you know, it wouldn't shock me if maybe they went like seventh round, fifth round, sixth round, just to make sh- me look stupid. Just, I mean, there surely isn't a reason. You have now what Chase Claypool was a second round pick, Deontay Johnson was a third round pick, George Pickens was a second round. Yes, pick. every every receiver on this roster right now has the chance, will be, or has the good chance to be back next year if they perform well. Well, that, and not only that, but they are all talented wide receivers they were all taken and young in early rounds and young right there there really is a lot of I think that's the most important word young talent that is is contracted for the next year at the very least so I I can totally see where you're coming from with that but you you never want to cast out Omar Khan and company's ability to scout even someone in the sixth round I mean we know we know who the Steelers targeted one year in the sixth round for the draft at the wide receiver position, and look how he turned out. So I wouldn't say <laughs> it's I wouldn't say it's completely out of the out of the realm of possibility. But I understand what you're trying to say. There are a lot of talented young receivers on this team, contracted through the end of the season. 
I, and I, next. I also think it's always fun to point out, you know, you, you made some parallels to Antonio Brown with Deontay Johnson in the opening segment, and naturally people did that when he first came in here and saw his style of play, but it's always fun to remember that Deontay Johnson was a product of the Antonio Brown trade. He was picked with using a pick right. sent back here from the, at that time, Oakland, now Las Vegas Raiders. So uh, it's very interesting, very savvy GM uh, work from Kevin Colbert there. Uh, Deontay Johnson said he likes to model his game off of Stefan Diggs in that interview that he did. And, man, you can really see that, huh? Especially when you see those, like, stop-start slant routes where Deontay really just comes in super— I I saw the NFL tweeted out a montage of some of his touchdowns over the years after the deal was signed. And one play was against the Ravens last year where he ran a slant and Marlon Humphreys bit so hard and Deontay just stuck his foot in the ground after about uh, five or six steps and just kind of stopped and popped back to the outside and Ben hit him with a nice little floater and he reached in for the touchdown. It was the go-ahead touchdown that ended up beating the Ravens at Heinz Field last year. So I see that with Stefan Diggs all the time too, that quick stop-start nature of his game. And, you know, Romo was on the call, and he was like, watch this route. It's a slant. It's a slant. It's a slant. Oops, no, it's not. I'm going outside. And it's so rare to have that stop-start ability. I see it with Diggs more than anybody really in the NFL. That's, you know, everybody has their their best weapon. You know, Jamar Chase, I mean, that guy's got so many weapons. But you know what I mean. They One thing that they all do better than the rest, and I think with Diggs, He's so good at that stop-start and that route running, and you see it from Deontay, so it's not surprising to hear that he's real tight with Stephon Diggs and he models right. a lot of his game off, off of him. Yeah, it's not just that he likes the, what, what Stephon Diggs can do as an athlete. They are very close. They do, I think, practice a lot in the offseason together. So that, that leads to Deontay Johnson being able to model his game so precisely off of Stephon Diggs. And, Tom, I'm not going to – I hope I'm not – reaching here but I, I would put maybe Deontay Johnson in some moments above Stefan Diggs when it comes to that start and stop ability just because he's a little bit smaller he's a little more that allows him to be more nimble if you if you watch some tape you'll you'll be able to see Deontay Johnson really plant his foot a lot more precisely and then get out of that cut a little more faster than than other guys including sometimes Stefan Diggs yeah and you know going off of your point there I like to bring up this stat. If you've been listening to our SNR airwaves over the past week, I've been trying to work this stat in everywhere I can from NFL research. But Deontay Johnson was third in the league last year when lining up out wide and receiving yards. One of only three players that went over 1,000 yards, and he was in third place. Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson were the two in front of him. His buddy, Stephon Diggs, Mm -hmm. the guy right behind him, just barely not making it to 1,000 yards. So... Uh, that comparison is a lot more apt, I think, than some people. You hear that initially, and you're like, oh, my God, he's nowhere near Stefan Diggs. Uh, I'd pump the brakes on that a little bit. I think they're pretty similar type of receivers. I think Stefan Diggs, because of where he came from. And the hands. I Sorry to interrupt, but the hands, too. Diggs' yes. hands have been so much more sure than Deontay early on, so that's probably the big separating point in people's minds. But then you you – you read into it a little bit more. Deontay Johnson finished, finished with what? I believe it was only five drops last year. You're right. And he there was targeted guys like, an There were guys amazing like Jamar amount. Chase who, who finished with double did 11, so more than double. And no one thinks of him as a dropper. No. I mean, and if you look at these numbers, actually, the guys coming out of uh, Deontay's draft class, the receivers, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, and then Deontay. Deontay has the lowest drop rate on the most receptions out of all of those receivers. So I think it's I think it's a product of Deontay 
playing for a team where the limelight is going to be on any single player any given week. And when Deontay had those yips back in 2020 and again in 2021, it's very possible the Pittsburgh fandom and Steelers Nation really made more of it of what it actually was. It seems to me like this whole Deontay Johnson is the dropper of the football is kind of starting to creep towards myth territory. It's should we put, should like we put on our fan. Jamie and Adam hats and become Mythbusters here and say, you know what, not true. This is a myth. He's kind of not like a dropper. A conspiracy theory against him almost. It really is almost. And, and I get it kind of because it was so brutal in his, I believe, second season, especially when you saw that. Yeah, when he just he got benched in a game because he just couldn't ca- catch well, the ball. That obviously that was, was a totally different experience than what we saw last year. I think that was the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of people really turning on him. I think that was just Tomlin saying, OK, just relax. Take We're a gonna, second. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody kind of interpreted it as, oh, you're getting benched because you aren't good anymore. You are unable to be a consistent right. pass catcher. And I think it was it was blown out of proportions. But, Tom, let's be honest. Let's look ourselves in the mirror. We, Some of us in the Pittsburgh media were probably also victims of that. I know of I that, was. Of that exaggeration. Oh, I know I was for sure. But I also what makes me great, what makes you great, is we know when we're wrong and we move on from our mistakes. You can admit and, it. Yeah, sure. You know, you brought up this point on Steelers standards before, and it's such a good point. His um, resilience showed last year when he had a drop early in the Ravens game and didn't really play the best first half. Mm-hmm. Then he dropped two touchdowns and finished with over 100 yards receiving to win, to win the game basically for the Steelers. So love to see that kind of bounce back from him last year. And you know, one of the reporters asked in that scrum, you know, you get better every year. You seem to ascend every single year. I don't expect anything less this year in what would be his fourth season. He's going to ascend again this year. He's going to take it to another level. And, again, I think the quarterback play, no matter who it is, is going to help him. I think having a younger arm available to him, and not only that, but a better team overall around him, a healthier, more established offensive line. Now Anaja Harris, who is, I think, even in his second year, already going to be taking a lot of attention away from – for sure, the guys in the front seven, but I'm sure even if a, a team goes nickel or dime, one of those extra def- extra members of the secondary is going to be assigned to Najee Harris. And then you now have Chase Claypool alongside of George Pickens and Calvin Austin the third, and Pat Frymuth, who will be a legitimate option for whoever's throwing the ball for the Steelers. I do think this will be – the writing is on the wall, I think, for Deontay to have, an, as you said, another – improvement in his career let me float this one by you sure. all right i don't know if i necessarily believe this take but it's a spicy one okay deontay johnson has another really good year and ascends but he's still only the second best receiver on the team what and, if george pickens just oh. becomes a dude you know because he's been turning heads like crazy well, yeah. i don't have to tell you that no i mean i don't think anyone who is anyone who has been here every single day or anyone who has yet to step foot uh at on St. Vincent's campus to watch the Steelers practice, George Pickens has been the training camp darling through the first two weeks. There are guys that you know Wolf likes to call his camp phenoms, un, undrafted guys or or guys who were uh, brought on just for the practice squad and really truly fighting for their lives for a roster spot here. But it has been the George Pickens story really since day one. He has drawn all the attention, and let's let's not you know give. I'm not trying to say let's take away credit, but it's been very easy for him with no Chase Claypool and no Deontay Johnson as as full participants. So really all the eyes 
were, were easily turned in his direction. However, that's not to say that it's being blown out of proportion and he's really that good. No, I think he really is that talented. Well, kind of the devil's advocate to what you just said, you know, uh, yeah, he's been the only really receiver out there that's going to factor into significant regular season playing time if all things go according to plan for your Steelers offense, but he's gotten the entire attention from the Steelers defense. You know, mm-hmm. now he's got his actual number one and maybe he can dethrone him as number one as the season goes on, but as of right now, that attention's going to swing towards number 18 now that he's back on the field, and once you can get number 11 lined up back in the slot you should start to be cooking with gas. But it's important to remember, it's a two-way street when it comes to these wide receivers. So when we come back, I think we got to get into this quarterback play because all of this, you know, fantasy talk about how this receiving core is so exciting and there's a lot of optimism for it, it really could fall flat on its face if the guys throwing them the football aren't up to what the standard needs to be for them. Absolutely. So, let me let me yeah, just no, make go ahead. this point really quick before we go to break. I think we need to remember Juju Smith. Juju Smith-Schuster's best season, arguably as a Steeler, his rookie year when Antonio Brown was in his last, one of the last two years of his dominance in the NFL. That could easily be the case here for George Pickens. If, if Deontay Johnson continues to improve, if Chase Claypool really establishes himself as this bigger slot option, that could leave a lot of room for George Pickens to be what could be a possible Rookie, offensive rookie of the year candidate. Quarterbacks got to start looking better, though. Hopefully that becomes the case tonight at Friday Night Lights practice at Latrobe Memorial Stadium. But we'll get into the quarterback play, talk about all three of the guys in this quarterback battle, which is becoming more and more of a battle, I think, as camp rolls on. That's all on the way next. This is Tom Offerman and Jacob Brecht filling for you here on the Steelers Blitz right here on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Steelers standard crew filling in for the Steelers Blitz crew today. Tom Opperman and Jacob Brecht with you. We talked a ton about Deontay Johnson, touched a little bit about the wide receivers as well throughout our first hour. We've buried the lead, though, long enough. The quarterback play from the Steelers at St. Vincent College has not been up to what a lot of people in Steelers Nation, what I'm sure a lot of the coaching staff had hoped it'd been up to in the early going. Um, again, there's going to be growing pains, though. I mean, you've got a, a guy who's presumably going to be your number one that is not familiar with the system, was in Chicago for his first few years, then in Buffalo last year. So this is his third team uh, he, he's trying to get on with. So that's obviously a bit of a learning curve. Uh, Kenny Pickett's a first-round pick. The jump from college to the NFL is one of the hardest jumps to make from college level to pro level in any sport across the board. So that's understandable, too. And then Mason Rudolph looking the most comfortable. Makes sense because he's the most comfortable. So when I really sit back and think about this stuff, Jacob, I don't want to say that I'm like surprised that this is how it's playing out. But I think we all just really hope that there would be more signs, more flashes from Pickett, from Trubisky, even, you know, just to give us a little bit more comfort and say, okay, they're going through growing pains, but they have what it takes and they do look like a number one quarterback. But it's been fewer and farther between those moments than you would really like it to be. Yeah, I, you, we can recall back to when the Steelers drafted Kenny Pickett and the weeks that followed after that. We were saying on our show on the Steelers Standard, the worst case scenario for us was that Mitch and Kenny would struggle enough that Mason would be considered in a serious capacity to be either the, the number 
two or the number one option. Well, and I think I think the the writing is still on the wall that Mitch will be QB one come the start of the regular season. However, it's a little, cl- it's a lot. It, not I shouldn't say a little. It's a lot closer than you would like to admit. The gap between Mitch Trubisky and Mason, and I think the gap between Mason Rudolph and Kenny Pickett is a gap that sh- that has Mason above Kenny. I just think it's going to be really hard for Mitch to lose the job still. Um, I think it has to be a total implosion. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're there quite yet. He did have some nice passes yesterday. I think he floated a beautiful rainbow he did, to Deontay Johnson. But Let's not forget that at one point during practice, he was 0 for 16 on seven-shot drills. Oh. and He was 0 for 4 yesterday. He slammed his helmet down in frustration at the right. end of practice yeah. when they were doing the seven-on-sevens. And he and, and in total, at one point, he as of, I think it was not yesterday, but so the numbers haven't been updated. He was, I think, at one point, three or 20, so maybe that number has gone down even, or that number has gotten to be even worse. But, yeah, I mean... I that's more extreme than just lack of familiarity with the system. Right. You know, that's, that is, that's definitely worse than, than even that. How I, I'll ask you this. This kind of relates to back to the conversations we were having in our first two segments. How much of it do you attribute to no, no Deontay Johnson, no Chase Claypool, no Pat Frymuth, and very limited Najee Harris? Uh, I do attribute a decent amount to that. I think what if I'm looking for an excuse, though, the one That's I look for is to, yeah. the five guys in the front of either of the mm. quarterbacks, whether it's the first team, second team, or third team offensive line. I mean, the third team offensive line has just been brutal as it's tend to be. Those guys probably won't even be on the roster come, you know, final cutdown day. But it's been just tough for Kenny to get anything going behind those guys. Uh, when Mason's dropped down to the threes, it's been tough for him to look good playing behind those guys. So I, I think that if I'm going to make any sort of excuses for them, and honestly, I don't know if they deserve any of the excuses. It's training camp, you know. You're supposed to be able to, you know, work with a different mixture of people and try to um, this is elevate you, the guys yeah. around you. You're the quarterback. You're supposed to do that. So this I'm is not. Where you I'm not step really up and lead. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not really like in the I'll make excuses for these guys' business. But if I had to, if I had to point to one, the biggest one would probably be, especially when they're in live pads and doing live tackling, is the offensive line blocking that stellar defense on the other side. Yeah, I mean, we are getting Larry Ogunjobi back. Tyson Alawala will return eventually, and it's just been Cam Hayward. But, again, just the presence of Cam Hayward out there has been enough. I, I'm sure you heard about the little scrum he and, and uh, Benny Snell got into earlier this week. That's just That's just the kind of effect that Cam Hayward has on a training camp. It's almost, I think Dale or maybe Matt Williamson mentioned this, it's almost unfair to have a guy like Cam Hayward participate in a training camp or a guy like T.J. Watt participate in a training camp because they're just going to be that dominant. They, if, if you have Cam Hayward going up against the first stringers on the offensive line, yeah, he's going to be competitive and, and he'll probably get the best of them. But if you have Cam going up against the second string guys, that that is just a professional going up against guys literally fighting for a roster spot guys who have been floating around teams maybe not even teams but just floating around um practice squads i mean how do you take a, a first team all pro talent and put them up against a guy who is really just one of 90 really not a guy that will turn any kind of head so it is a little bit of a mismatch there and so yeah i'm sure 
when the pocket collapses, and here you are in, in training camp when it's um, not padded practices, right? And even sometimes during padded practices, if the defensive line or the, the pass rush collapses enough that they get to the quarterback, the play, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll acknowledge that there was a sack, but the defenders allow the play to continue. They'll kind of just tap or maybe whatever. They, they'll create some kind of body contact with the quarterback, but the quarterback will proceed as if the play is still alive and they'll try to make a play wherever they can but I'm sure that's got to be frustrating for the quarterbacks where they're just kind of getting ready going through the region and the defenders are already getting there so I can understand the frustration of playing against this Steelers defense in a training camp setting is there any chance do you think that Mason Rudolph can actually win this number one job to me it kind of feels like no matter what he does they're just not going to give him that chance they know what Mace Rudolph is. They've seen him plenty of times in an actual game scenario. And despite the fact that he's probably gotten better, as he, mm-hmm. you know, you're allowed to do, you're allowed to always get better in this league as you work your way through your career. And the fact that he's super familiar with this this team and the system and looks the best so far, if you had to, you know, if you had to start a game tomorrow and you gave the coaches a drop of truth serum, they might start Mason Rudolph just because of how much better he's looked than the other two guys. And better is a relative term because it's not like he's looked like Joe Montana out there. He's just looked better in comparison to the other two. Maybe that's an indictment on the other two more than a credit to Mason, but whatever. Um, I just don't see any chance that he can actually grab this job. Maybe he goes out against Seattle next Saturday and has a hell of a second half or a hell of a second quarter. Maybe he continues to build that against Detroit in the second preseason game, or excuse me, the Jaguars, then Detroit in the last preseason game. I mean, maybe that's the route that he goes about. The other two just look lost when they actually are playing other teams and Mason looks steady Eddie and is moving the offense down the field. But I, again, I just I feel like I'm I'm telling a fantasy right now. I'm 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 spinning fairy tale because I just I don't think that in their minds there's any way, shape, or form we come out of the tunnel, Paul Brown Stadium, Joe Burrow on the other sideline, number two Mason Rudolph dueling against him. Yeah, I, I again I don't mean to be so critical on on Mason here, but that I think in my mind would be kind of a a worst case scenario, a nightmare situation for the Steelers because. You not only went out and, and acquired a quarterback on, what, day one, hour one of free agency right. being open, you then went, what is it, uh, uh, three weeks later, a month later, however long, and you used your first-round draft pick on a, on another quarterback. You, you set yourself up to have two guys on your roster that you presumably liked better than the only other guy you had under contract at that quarterback position. And so for Mason, if it somehow ends up being Mason starting week one, I really do feel like I think a lot of people will point to the Kenny Pickett draft as the more critiqued move mm. by the front office because they had already gone out and, and, and signed Mitch Trubisky. And still to this day, I don't know if, if the sequence of events, if the order of, of events had switched, right? If the Steelers yeah. drafted Kenny and then sign Mitch I still think Kenny would have been the more critiqued move just because you can sign any guy and Mitch obviously was a very cheap move a very team friendly move for the for the Steelers to make if you were to go out and then sign him even after you drafted Kenny people would still say well then what did you do why would you go out and draft Kenny if you knew you were going to sign Mitch Trubisky eventually so I think that if it does end up somehow, some way, Mason Rudolph starting week one, a lot of people will be unhappy. And I think 
I, I think, I, you know, it's hard to get a, a good read on this team where they're looking, where the, where the guys on offense or where the guys on defense are looking for their, their quarterback to be a leader. Which one of these three guys do they look to the most out of the three? I'm sure it's going to create some issues within the locker room because they're going to have a sense of, of confusion of where the, where's, where's the direction of this locker room going? Where is the leadership coming from? Yeah, and I, I do want to make this clear, um, just to kind of wrap it up and wrap mm-hmm. up our first hour. I do think that Mason Rudolph is going to be the number two quarterback when things start this year. I think, yeah, it I think it's going to be Trubisky one. Rudolph will be the two in that first week against Cincinnati, and probably a few weeks after that, Kenny will be on the sidelines in the sweatpants with the earpiece in, you know, really bringing him along slowly. I think that's what the plan is, and I think that's what's going to end up playing out. And Again, unless there's some total implosion and Mitch continues to go like 3 for 50 as far as the drills are concerned and he looks awful in the preseason games, I think that's the plan that they've had all in mind all along, and it was just let's make sure there's no absolute catastrophe uh, through this training camp period, and then we carry out that plan. So I still think that Mason will be lined up at number two with the helmet on in week one against Cincinnati. Do you think Kenny gets a helmet in week one? No, I think he doesn't. I think he sits on the sweatpants, earpiece, sidelines, no helmet, no dress. You're only going to give two quarterbacks a helmet. Yeah, I guess so. But at what, So at what point or, or under what circumstances do you think that that changes for Kenny? Where not not that he's going to be the, the starter, but just at least... I would think it just has to be more practice reps, just to show that you're ready. You know, as soon as he puts together a week, two weeks in a row of practice, where yeah, he's as good at running the system as Mason or better, then that's when the switch is made. They're not going to hesitate to make the switch for sure. The second that they think that they're comfortable with, oh, Mitch just went down in the second quarter. Can Kenny carry us to victory? Hold a lead? Maybe lead a little bit of a comeback? Uh, as soon as they feel comfortable in that, then they're going to pull that trigger. It's not going to be a matter of, well, Mason's been here and he's been around, so we're going to give him the veteran respect he deserves. That That's not going to happen. Yeah, I just think it's, it's really, it, now that we're fully immersed into training camp, we, are, we were eager leading up to the arrival of the players to Latrobe. But here we are now, we're about two weeks in, we're about, what, eight days away from the first uh, preseason game for the Steelers. I think a lot of people are going to be highly anticipatory of this first game. No matter who plays a quarterback or who lines up, they just want to see the, how these guys will perform with this team around them. Hour one in the books here on the Steelers Blitz. When we come back, we're going to talk about how you can still win in this league with below-the-line quarterback play. It's a lot harder, of course, but it can be done. And we'll talk a little bit about how the Steelers can do that, utilizing their wide receiver core and the talented skill players that they have on the offensive side of the ball. That's all on the way. Second hour of Steelers Blitz marches on with the Steelers Standard Crew. I'm Tom Opperman. He's Jacob Recht. And we'll be back in a moment right here on SNR. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.